Night. 
praise may the sound of our praise be your throne may the sense of our love be the air you breathe let it be lord may the songs of our hearts feel your ears may the sound of our praise be your throne may the sense of our love be the air you breathe Before he goes before me, the Lord is my shield. 
Yes, Jesus, you're the light by which men are seen, and the enemy is fleeing from our presence. He has to go. If you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with sickness, if you're dealing with a demon, lift up the name of the Lord this morning. If you're dealing with depression, if you're dealing with a demon, if you're dealing with sorrow.
like the Lord. No one's like the Lord. If there's a song in your heart, raise it to the King. If there's a song in your heart, scream it to the King. If there's a song in your heart, oh, sing it to the King. This is the day that He has made. So sing it to the King. This is the day He has made. So praise His holy name. You're good, Lord. All your mercy endures forever. Oh, the Lord, He is good and His mercy endures. The Lord, He is good and His mercy endures. The Lord, He is good and His mercy endures. The Lord, He is good and His mercy endures. Whoa! Is it a joy? Take us deeper and deeper in love. 
Take us deeper and deeper in love. Take us deeper and deeper in love. Let's feel your heart today. Let's closer and closer in love. Closer and closer. Oh, closer and closer. We need to feel the rhythm of your heart as it beats our name. I just feel that right now, that the heart of the Father, He wants you to climb up in His lap and just put your ear on His chest. You need to understand, our God is a God of love. He's relational. He's not just, just sitting on a throne and ruling. He's sitting down at your feet with you. And He says, come here, my child. Come here, I want you to put your head against my chest. I want you to hear the beat of my heart. If you listen very close, you're gonna hear your name. There's no fear in that. That's perfection of love. We need to know him this way. We need to know him this way. Call us deeper. Call us deeper, Lord. Take us deeper, Lord. Deeper and deeper. Wanna feel the beat of your heart? Just call out my name. You're calling out my name. Your heart's beating out my name. So come here, child, and feel my love for you. Lord, you know my name. Lord, you know my name. And you know my name. Yes, you know my name. Yes, you know my name. Call me your child. Yes, you know my name. My God, He knows my name. Yes, you know my name. Call us your child. The same God who hung the stars in the heavens, who causes the sun to set and rise, who has all the power and the authority. He knows your name, he knows your name. The same God who hung the heavens, the same God who conquered, the same God who conquered your depression. Yes, he knows your name. Yes, you know my name. Yes, you know my name. Yes, you know my name deeper and deeper in love. And as a deer it pants for the water, so my soul it longs for your love. And as the desert it cries out for the rain, so my heart it cries out for you. 
As the deer it panted for water So my soul it longs for you, Lord And as the desert it cries out for the rain So my heart cries out for you, saying deeper Take me deeper Take us deeper I want to hear the cry of your heart and take us deeper. Oh, there is no end to your love. Take us deeper. Oh, show us the mystery of love. Take us deeper. Oh, call us closer, my King. Won't you show us the mystery of your love? Mm. The same God who washes our feet sits on the throne. The same God who washes my feet sits on the throne. The same God that washes our feet is the same one who sits on the throne same one who washes my feet it's the same one who sits on the throne you are worthy you are holy oh you're lovely show us the mystery of love the mystery of love mm. you're not a God who's far away you're close as the beat of my heart you're not a God who's far away oh you're here with me right now if you feel alone this morning won't you be encouraged by love the same God that's in the heavens is standing with you now. He's standing with you now. He knows your name. He knows every desire of your heart. He knows your pain. He's been there with you the whole time. And he knows your name. We serve an intimate God. He knows your name. You sit in his presence. All he requires from us is to be here in his presence. In love on him. In love on him. All he requires from us to be here in his presence. In love on him. He's not impressed with anything else. He doesn't need your time or your money. He just needs the devotion of your heart to get lost in that. 
He just needs the devotion of your heart. He just needs your love. He just desires the devotion of your heart. As he draws us close. And so he's... Take it all. working on us and he's cleaning us and he's, he's making us new you know he was reminding me that some of us we have to be on a delicate cycle some of us don't need a whole bunch of work but then people like me it was like he took me in that old-fashioned washing machine where where that thing had to spin you out and he had to put me in a little crank thing and just drain me out and you know some of us it took quite a bit uh, of that high-speed spin yeah, some of us, it took a little bit more than others. But the good part as we progress through that, as you surrender to him and, and you allow him to touch you that way, as you allow him to do what he knows to do with you because you're special to him, he knows your name. Okay, he, he does. He knows each and every one of us, so he knows what we need. He knows how much, you know, he knows some of us just need a little bit of fabric softener because we're a little rough around the edges, right? But he knows what you need. And we just trust him with that. And we let him do his work in us. And then after we do that, what we find out is we come out of there with so much joy, so much thanks, so much praise for him because of what he's done in our life. And that's what we were singing. We were going through this moment and we're praising him. And as we praise him, look, he's just crying back to us and calling out our name even more and even more and even more. And we worship him. All we're doing is telling him how much we love him, how much we're thankful that, that we are different. We didn't stay the same. We, we might have went into the washing machine one way, but we came out another. Right? We came out another. And, you know, some of us got to get washed twice, three times, especially with these high-efficiency washers. Don't like them. But what I'm telling you is that we don't stay the same. We don't. We come out different. Every time we get in his presence, if you allow him to do it, you'll come out different. Every single time. That's why it's so important that we seek him out with all of our heart every single day. Every single day. So let him make you different this morning. Let him change you a little bit this morning. Don't, don't, don't walk out of here the same way you came in. 
Walk out of here just a little bit different and let him work on your heart this morning. So Father, we love you. We thank you for being with us this morning. We thank you for your presence. We thank you for every person in here, Lord, that today was a divine appointment for them. Today they were supposed to be here, Lord. We thank you that you brought them here. We thank you, Lord, that, that, that you're just moving in this house. And Lord, we, we ask you to continue to do what you do best, which is just massage our hearts, move in us, Lord, change us, make us better in everything we do. Father, we love you. And we just lift you up this morning. We give you all the praise, all the honor, all the glory in Jesus' name. Come on, can we get a little excited this morning about what he's doing? Come on. Yes, come on. All right, good. We want to keep it going. Come on, one more time. Give him what a king deserves in the house. I like it sometimes when we're down low, but I like it when we're up high. I like to give him what he deserves sometimes. So, you know, uh, as we're as we're sitting up here, and I'm not gonna. It, this is not a spiritual thing, so forgive me. But this is a this is a transition thing. Um, uh, it is. I believe, you know, actually, I believe, is it somebody's birthday today? Anybody? I feel the Lord telling me that it's somebody's birthday today. Oh, we got a birthday in the, I'm just kidding. You know, we got a couple birthdays in the house. That was not the Lord. I'm really making that up. I just, I knew it was some birthdays in the house. We love you guys. And we thank you for being here. And Aiden said he wanted to sing happy birthday to his mama. Come on, Aiden. You didn't think you're gonna get off that easy, did you? There you go, brother. I'll, I'll let you sing and we'll join along. You guys are gonna make me nervous, okay? Just, all right, um, one, two, three. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear mama. Happy birthday to you. There it is. Look, if you're all new here, we're family, so we just do that stuff. So it's not normal church, but we do like to celebrate uh, when we have people in the house that, uh, that we want to love on. So thank y'all. We have birthday in the back, birthday over here. Come on, that's so awesome. Um, do me a favor. Now you got a little bit of time. So we're going to transition. Take a little bit of time. Say hi to somebody you hadn't seen yet. We'll be right back. Check, check. There it is. now, brother.
Some of y'all just talking to family. You can do that at home. <laughs> How's everybody doing this morning? That's always my cue to make it back to your seats. Y'all look good this morning. Come on. <laughs> I think we got everybody back. We're good. Most people getting coffee or something. That's fine. That's fine. Well, hey, uh, thank you for coming out this morning. Welcome to the gathering place, guys. We love you. We're so thankful you're here with us. Man, it's been, uh, uh, it's been a roller coaster of a couple weeks, so I am so thankful to, uh, to be here. This is so good. So we love you guys. Uh, if you are new, I am DJ. This is my wife, Jules, and we are the pastors here. So um, if you need anything, come talk to us. We will, you know, hand you off. No, I'm just going to say, <laughs> we'll love on you because that's what we do. So it's awesome. But uh, we'd love to get to know you if we don't know you. Uh, so let us know. We're, we're really excited about what God's doing in this place. If you are new, do me a favor, fill out a Connect card. We have those out on the uh, connection point, big wooden desk in the foyer. We'll get you one of those. You can fill that out. Just let us know. We want to just reach out to you, let you know we're thankful that you're here. And if we can pray for you, we'll pray for you. We can answer any questions about what's going on uh, and what we can, you know, basically if we can do anything for you, that's what it's about. It's not about you doing anything for us. Uh, if you need any more information, you can go to our app or our website. We'd love to have you check that out and get all the information going on. But I'm going to give you a couple things that, that are pretty cool that we get to do every week and that I like to remind you of. Uh, one of those are our kingdom classes. Mama Rachel was teaching this morning. Uh, and uh, she was teaching on Bible study tips. And then we have uh, next week is going to be powerful. It's going to be our, this is going to be our July 31st. Jeff and Pam, they're speaking on more science and faith. Um, if you missed the first one, it was science and faith. This is an awesome, I got to sit in that one. Uh, it's absolutely amazing. If you have questions about science and faith, he, uh, Jeff is really good at, at putting all this together and answering a lot of those questions. But here's the thing. We're starting at 8.59, 8.59, not 9 o'clock. Je Jeff has a whole bunch to squeeze in there, and that extra minute's going to help him. Uh, so 8.59, get here early for that. That's really good, and come with some questions. Uh, last time was absolutely, we talked about all kinds of stuff, so I'm excited to, uh, uh, to see where that goes, because this is more science and faith, and then there'll be more and more. And, and even more, and <laughs> it'll probably keep going for a while, you know, to, to get you caught up. But that's awesome. Those are just 9 o'clock classes here every Sunday. It's stuff that I don't have time to speak on every week up here, but it's stuff that I might speak on. But the good part is you can receive that yourself by showing up at 9 o'clock on a Sunday and, and see what we have to offer every week. So I'm excited about that. Um, I do want to uh, bring up the fact that last week I shared that uh, we, last week I came back from Mexico from a mission trip and then uh, that was my first one and I talked about how we're going to continue to enter into that. Okay, so we're going to be going back down to Mexico uh, on the 5th through the 15th of December. Okay, and that'll be a, a trip as a family. So if you are interested in that trip, please let me know because we have to get our passports moving. We have right now the cost of a flight was still sitting around $618. So the sooner we get a good solid crew of who's going, we can get the tickets ordered and we can get moving. The good part about going there, there's no COVID tests. You don't have to have the shot, none of that stuff. So you can go to Mexico and not worry about those things. But I need you to let us know. I need you to, 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 to let us know you're interested so we can start working on this. Trying to keep it below 12 or at no more than 12 people. We already have six. Um, so if, if that's something you want to help fund, this is huge. Uh, because if you, if you go, you know what, I have a passion for missions, but we can't go, but I want to help somebody, 
that wants to go, this is an opportunity for you. You can, you can do that. You can bless somebody and make sure they have an opportunity to go for those uh, that don't have the finances. And we're going to turn around and we're going to try to do some fundraisers. We're going to try to create an opportunity for people to give uh, to support that anyway. So we're excited about it. I'm excited about it just to go back down and, and uh, see what God wants to do. And then in a couple of weeks, I go to Africa. So keep praying for me because I've got a, a, a I don't know, like 13-day trip to Africa. So I'm excited over that. So please keep praying for that. And also be praying for our students this week. They head to Motion. Pastor Kevin and Crystal, come on. That's going to be a powerful trip for our students, man. They're going to have a great time. How many, how many students going? 18 students right now going. And then we have adults going to supervise. Don't worry, we're not just dropping them off. But, uh, but this, is an, this is an amazing opportunity. We do a lot of things with our students, especially over the summertime, uh, sometimes in the winter too. But what it is is they did, a, they did a, an encounter where they, we took them all to Florida this summer and they went down there. And that was an opportunity for Kevin and Crystal to really work with them on what that's like to wake up early and pray and get in your Bible and all those things. That was a little more intimate for them getting to know each other. This is going to go up. This is a powerful, I mean, if you like your, your worship leaders that are out there, all the bands that are out there. It's a phenomenal worship. Tons of guest speakers coming in. This is a big thing up in Birmingham that they're going to be going to. So it's really fun. But what I love is what uh, Mama Jewel said when she was in staff meeting once we were talking about this. She goes, our kids are going to go up and change the atmosphere. So sometimes we think, well, our kids are beyond that. But now we're like, no, their job is to go up there and show the other teens what's going on uh, and to pray over them and be part of that. And I'm excited over that. So be praying for them this week. You guys leave Thursday morning, right? Kind of. Thursday afternoon. <laughs> One thirty. Okay. For some students, that's morning. Just saying. So that's exciting. So we're... we're <laughs> So a couple things I want to throw out there too, just to keep this on, uh, on your thought, in your mind, thinking about this is small groups are coming up in September. So if God has put it on your heart to host a small group, to start a small group, uh, please come talk to us so we can do this. We're going to have training on August 28th will be the training day. So you got about a month or so out for that. Think about this. If that's something that you, you want to do for the first time, or maybe you've, you've hosted a group before and you want to do something. I'm excited because I want to host a new group. It's, go, it's going to be called, I can't remember the name you like. I like my name, Camping for Christ. <laughs> so but we just got a camper, so we're all over the place right now. Um, so we're excited about that. So, but you don't need a camper. But we thought, man, well, how good would it be to have a gathering of people from, from our family here that we can just go out? you know, on a weekend or something and go hang out at a place and just bring light to everywhere. Road trips. That's what we're talking about. So, um, look for, you know, a long time we camped in a tent. So, uh, we know what it's like to camp and now we know what it's like to glamp. <laughs> I took a good nap yesterday in the air conditioning. <laughs> it was really good. So, um, but yes. Uh, so think about that. I'm just sharing that because I can. Nobody else can share about their small group yet, but I can share about mine. So if, if that's something you're interested in, those are ideas. Look, it's just spending time together, doing life together. You can't do life alone, y'all. You got to spend some time with some people. I'll probably still do my God guns and gravy and have people over also so we can shoot some guns and eat some food because who doesn't want to do that? <laughs> Sorry. That's just how it is. Like, Okay, enough about small groups, but that's coming up. Be praying about that. What's God want to do with you? Um, yeah, this season coming up. I want to do, I want to give a shout out to Kevin too and his team. He has some guys come in 
to help them out. I know Eric and, um, and Mr. Mike and probably some other people that show up, but they've been doing work outside, putting up the new signs outside. Everything's looking good. Phenomenal job, man. I appreciate it. Um, it's hot. And these guys are out there working on a metal building while it's hot. I love it, man. It's so awesome. But it looks really good. Uh, we have a lot of stuff to do, too. We have a lot of maintenance to do around here. If you want to be part of that, they meet on Thursdays. And uh, Kevin's always looking for help for people that want to come in and help help get things set up. We've got a stage we want to build. We've got some other stuff we want to do. So if you are gifted in those areas, man, let us know. We'd love to have you help out uh, so we can get some things taken care of. Uh, but we're excited about that. Okay. They still got to paint some lights out there and some stuff. So more outside work. If you love the heat and it doesn't bother you being on a tin roof, come on out. All right. That's enough announcements. It's time to get into the word. So father, we love you. We thank you, Lord. Touch my lips right now, Father. Let it be from my heart, Father, from your heart to my heart, Father. So right now, I just ask this be all of you and none of me in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So, uh, wow, you guys got your Bibles today? I challenged you last week. I said, we might have to bring your Bible one day uh, or pull out your phone. (laughs) But it's good. We might have some stuff up on the screen. Um, We got into this last week. This was not going to be a series at all. Uh, we were talking about being ambassadors, um, and then I was going a different way this week, and then 3 o'clock this morning, God just told me to go back into this and share a little bit more into what we need to do and be prepared for the other phase of this. Um, so I woke up this morning, and this is what we're going into. So we're going to see how it goes, but I know it was all him because I, did, I didn't know what I wanted to go into, and he reminded me of this. So last week, we talked about being ambassadors, um, and the scripture for that is 2 Corinthians 5.20. 2 Corinthians 5.20, and it says, so we are Christ's ambassadors. I can give you time to get there if you want to flip your Bible. I really like that. I'm learning how to do this better. When we were in Mexico, that's what we had to do. I would say a scripture, and it would take 10, 15 minutes sometimes. But you just sit there, and people would find it in their Bible, and then you were able to tell them, and other people would help them. So, look, I, I love, a, I love a, a, a hard copy Bible. Um, but, but I also love a digital Bible because sometimes I just need to get an answer real quick and, uh, I don't always have my pocket Bible on me. <laughs> and I noticed that the pocket Bibles they give you when I joined the military, them little ones, the new Testament, I can't read that. I could when I was younger. I can't do it anymore. I can't see any of that stuff. I'm like, I don't know what this is. I guess it was a weapon. Throw it at somebody. That's what I could do with it. So everybody there now, I'll read it. So we are Christ's ambassadors. Uh, God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. Um, what I was doing with this is trying to show you last week how we are all ambassadors. We are ambassadors to him. We are ambassadors to the kingdom. We represent him everywhere we go. Everything we do, we represent the kingdom. That means everything we communicate. And how we communicate is supposed to represent the kingdom. We're supposed to reflect him. So how you answer somebody, how you talk to coworkers, how you talk to parents, how you talk to siblings, how you talk to police officers. I had one of those this morning, got pulled over. Look, I didn't do nothing wrong. I just got pulled over because I bought a new truck and I didn't have a tag on it yet. So I was very polite. Hands on the wheel. <laughs> yes, I do have a weapon in the truck. <laughs> like, 
here's all my information. Of like, and he was just like, you know, you have a dealer tag on. You got all your paperwork? I'm like, yes, sir. I'm like, how are you doing today? And I was like, I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm talking as nice as I could be. And, and he grabbed it and just handed it back and says, you have three days to license it. I said, man, I, I wasn't going to get into it. I was trying. I was like, man, I've been in Mexico. And, and I didn't even have to. He was just like, have a nice day. And I was like, thank you, Jesus. But it's how we communicate. You know, I could have been like, man, I wasn't doing anything wrong. And I could have just blown up on this guy and been like, why are you pulling me over? Um, but I didn't. I had to communicate the way you're supposed to communicate, right? We're representing the kingdom. So how we communicate, how we handle conflict. That's a big one. How, how, do, you, how do you handle conflict when it comes at you? Because we're supposed to represent Jesus. How did Jesus handle conflict? I can tell you how he handled it with Peter. <laughs> After he cut the guy's ear, he's like, no. Like, we're not here, we're not here for that. That's not kingdom. Okay, so how you handle conflict in your personal life, in your marriage, in your family, with your kids, with your work, all that stuff. We're ambassadors. We are supposed to represent the kingdom. We're supposed to represent him. How we forgive, that's a good one. Are you being an ambassador of forgiveness? Can you really turn around and forgive people that have said something to you, harmed you, done something to you? Man, can you forgive? That's huge. And forgiveness is for you, not for them. You need to remember that. You need to be able to walk in the freedom of forgiving people and just walk in that. And whether they receive it or not, it doesn't matter. Once you forgive them in your heart, you can just move on. And God will free you up and there's no more burden on your back. And you can say, I don't even care about that anymore. Okay, but forgiveness is huge. These are just things I thought of when I thought about ambassadors. How we love. That's huge. How you loving your neighbor? How you loving your spouse? How you loving your kids? How you loving the people at work? How are you loving people outside of this family? It's easy to come in here on a Sunday and give somebody a hug and tell them you love them. But when you leave this place, how are you loving people? Are you being an ambassador of the kingdom? You know, and I told you, I challenged everybody. Um, I challenged everybody last week, if you remember, I said, hey, you know, get out there and, and share your testimony to somebody, invite them to church. Did anybody do that? Show of hands. All right, we got one. And she left early. <laughs> I don't even think she heard it. <laughs> but here's the good part. I mean, it's a challenge, right? But is it really? Like, we went camping. I pulled into the campsite. The lady at the door. At the, the lady checking you in. I'm just like, hey, yeah, got to be out of here on Sunday because I got to go preach. <laughs> she's like, oh, where do you go to church? And then I got to share about church. And then she's like, well, my house just burned down in June. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. I said, can we, you know, you know, thank the Lord that, you know, we just got to share and talk and I got to love on her. It didn't take much. I didn't have to walk in with a Bible and throw it at her. It's a challenge, y'all, every day. Everywhere you go, open your eyes to the people you're running into. It's okay to ask a question and see how they're doing. That's a challenge. That's important. An ambassador speaks for the kingdom everywhere they go, everything they do, not just when you feel like it's a perfect moment. Okay? So I'm challenging you now to step up. So I talked about last week, I said, share your testimony. And I think that's where God started moving on me. Because we were like, yeah, just, you know, that's, that's easy. The first part's just get out there and, 
Share your testimony. It's an easy way to share the gospel. It's an easy way to tell somebody what Jesus has done in your life. Okay? And it is. That's really good. Rapid change is awesome. It's so easy to talk about rapid change. It's hard to talk about continuous improvement. We tend to go to the rapid change and we don't get into the other stuff you have to do for continuous improvement in our life. We're like, that feeling of rapid change was absolutely amazing. Like, I can tell you over and over again how many times I got wrecked and I was just like, thank you, Jesus, and I felt great. But then I had to figure out on my own to go, okay, now what? Like, how do I maintain that? How do I continue to walk in this? How do I continue to be an ambassador? How do I do that? How do I, how do I keep my faith? How, how do I stay strong? How do I finish this thing strong? How do you do those things? And that's where God was hitting me this morning, woke me up and just said, and I was going to get up at three anyway. I did not need his help. But man, things were just playing in my mind. And I was just, it was like I was reading the Bible in my sleep. So he just said, man, we're going to talk about some things today. So I have a, a lot of scripture. I mean, welcome to church. <laughs> But a lot of it's just stuff that you've probably already heard a thousand times. But I really, he started showing me stuff in it this morning. And I said, well, that's what I'm supposed to talk about. Um, because here's the thing, continuous improvement. Um, and that's where I'm going to jump to today. We know we're ambassadors. We all have this awesome story. Uh, if you don't have an awesome story about what Jesus did in your life, give him a second. <laughs> You'll soon have one. <laughs> that's how he works. Um, he's going to give you something. Start thinking back to what he's done in your life. It's an amazing story. I talked to a kid. Uh, in Mexico, and and he's like, yeah, I really don't have a story because I don't know. I grew up in a Christian family. I've always been good. I've never done anything wrong. And he's in a wheelchair, and I'm like, bro, like the joy coming out of you, and you're in a wheelchair is a testimony. I'm like, how do you not see that? Or or how about the fact that you're so rare that you you have walked this thing out the right way when not everybody hears that? It's easy to come up and tell you how somebody that was messed up. Got, got straightened up, it's hard to come up and share how, well, I ain't never done anything wrong. I mean, that, that's, that's what we're praying for. That's what we want to see. But, you know, unfortunately, that didn't happen to me. But I'm telling you, it, it's, it's so good. So, uh, so I was looking at that going, man, there, there's, there's so much that we can say about, about those, those moments when God shows up. But that continuous improvement, this is huge. Um, we used to teach this all the time. I used to teach this in the military I uh, used to teach this with Lean Six Sigma and all kinds of stuff. Big companies use this. Continuous improvement. You cannot sit down and stop what you're doing and expect things to continue to flow in a good pattern. There's always ways to get better. So it's a continuous improvement. You're always looking at what you're doing, reflecting on that, saying, how can I do it more efficiently? How can I do it better? What can I do to make it better? And so we're always saying, Lord, make me better. Like, like, no matter what I'm doing now, might be working now, but Lord, what do you want inside of me to change so that I can get better? Continuous improvement. That's how we should be walking out our, our faith. Our life in faith is continuous improvement. Lord, yeah, that was awesome. You know, the, the, way, the way the Holy Ghost showed up, that was amazing. But if we come in expecting him to show up the same way every time, he's going to shock you. It's not going to happen. Continuous improvement. We have to keep building on things and moving things. So... So I want to talk about that. I want to talk about, you know, moving into that continuous improvement. I want to talk about disbelief in some things and how you deal with that. Because after a rapid change and after a transformation, after, after God touches you in your heart, you know, there's, there's a lot of disbelief out there. There's a lot of people that don't believe that. There's a lot of people that don't believe you. 
Even when you're walking out something new and he's made you new and you're whole and you're trying to walk it out, there's a lot of people that just don't believe that. They don't want to hear anything about it. All right, so, so you, and you don't know what to do in that situation. Because how, how do you act when, when you feel something absolutely amazing happening in your life and nobody believes you? And everybody thinks you're the same person. That's difficult. Trust me, I've walked through that. That's difficult. It's difficult to walk through that process. So there's all kinds of stuff we might talk about. <laughs> Hang in there. Right now, we're going we're to be talking out of Acts. So this is, this is the one that came to me, and you've heard this a thousand times. We're going to talk about Saul. We're going to go to Acts 9. And believe it or not, you know, we read a whole book in the Bible once. We're going to read about 31 verses this morning. I got a lot of good feedback when we read a book of the Bible. <laughs> I know it was a short book, but we still did it. It was pretty cool. So Acts 9, 1 through 31. If you don't have a Bible, that's fine. It will be on the screen. They'll keep up. Um, if you need a Bible, let us know. We have a lot of them. If you want to pull out your phone and download the Bible app, it's a good app to download. You can get all that information. You can highlight on there. I'm learning that. Look, I am, I'm old school, so I highlight everything in my Bible. But, man, on my Bible app, I've started that when I was in Mexico. I'm just like on the plane. I'm going, I'll just start highlighting here. And then I'm like, oh, man, it all stays on there. That's pretty fancy. I'm so old school. It's so good. Everybody there? All right. One day I'm going to surprise you. We're not going to have any scripture on the screen. <laughs> so you're going to have to move over to your neighbor and be like, can I, can I read yours with you? Absolutely. So here we go. In verse, uh, so Acts 9, verse 1, it says, Meanwhile, Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest. He requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for the cooperation, for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the, of the way he found there. Any followers, yeah, of the way he found there, he wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. So I'm sharing this verse because you need to know that we're, we're going to be talking about Saul, and Saul was not a good guy. He was a, put it this way, he, he was well-versed, he knew everything about the Torah. He knew everything they, about the law. He followed the law to a T. He was a Pharisee. He was like a cheap Pharisee. This, this guy was to the T. If the Bible said, well, they, if, if the law said you had to do something, he did it. And he said, I'm better than you because I do it and you don't. That was his whole mentality. And he didn't like the fact that Gentiles, you know, were, were, were doing this Christianity thing. So he said, uh, you're not a Jew. So therefore, guess what? I'm going to take you down. And he started arresting them. People were getting killed. People were getting stoned. And, and he's part of this, okay? He was actually the one that, that you saw from a young man standing there when Stephen got stoned. They were handing Saul their jackets and everything. So he was there watching all this happen. So um, not a good guy um, at all. In fact, he was heading here. So this, this, you had to understand who he was. This how, and he was known for that. So it wasn't like he was just a bad guy and his friends knew. Like the entire region, most people in the entire area knew that if this guy was showing up, something bad was going to happen. So we'll go to verse 3. It says, As he was approaching D Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul, Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. 
So here you have a moment when this guy runs into Jesus. And he can't even stand up. He's thrown to the ground. And Jesus is speaking to him. And he's telling him what he needs to do. But he doesn't force him to do it. There's some people here that God has told you that. And you have chose not to do it. There's people watching online that says, yeah, I've been in that position. And I said, no. God's not going to do it for you. He's going, he's going to ask you to do it. And you have a choice to make. Do you want to walk in obedience and say yes? Or are you going to walk away and say no? Because he told him, he says, get up. He says that a lot to people. You, you can go through and read all the stories, you know, from the crippled guy, get up and carry your mat. He doesn't, he doesn't help him up. <laughs> Usually don't see him go lifting him up going, you can walk, buddy, and carrying him. No, he says, get up. Get up and go. And that's what he's telling them. He's like, get up now and go. Like, just get up and do it. He's going to tell you what to do. And then the men with Saul, I'm going to go to verse 7. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. So Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by by the hand to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. There's a lot in that. There's a lot going on there. I'm reading out of the NLT, just I think it's up on the screen. But here's the thing. The people around him heard the same voice. They just didn't get to see him. That's important, though, because they heard his voice, so therefore they were obedient and helping out. They knew something was happening. But it doesn't matter because that wouldn't have meant anything if Saul didn't pick himself up off the ground. That's what it says. says, Saul picked himself up off the ground. You have to do it. With all his friends standing around, nobody bent down to pick him up. He had to climb back to his feet on his own. See, people think this walk is easy, but you're going to have to make a decision to say, I'm tired of walking the way I'm walking. I'm tired of doing what I'm, what I'm doing. I need to make a decision to get up and pick myself up off the ground and trust in him and go. Amen. Amen. It's hard sometimes. This is not easy. If it was easy, everybody in here would have done already. So he had to do that. He had to pick himself up off the ground, but then his eyes were blind. So he couldn't see it all. So what God did is he said, okay, I'm done with this. You're going to be blind. Why do you think he was blind? God didn't want him seeing him with his natural eyes anymore. He already made up his mind about how everything looked, how everybody looked, how everything was supposed to be. And he says, I'm going to blind you in the natural because you're going to have to see with your heart. You're going to have to see in the spiritual. You're going to have to understand things that I'm speaking to you. You know, when you're blind with something, the other senses come alive. Put a blindfold on and see how much you can hear. That's huge. So he blinded them because he goes, you're not hearing me. You're not hearing me. You're seeing everything through, through these natural eyes. They're corrupt eyes. He goes, you need to hear me. So he blinded them. And then his buddies, the same people that were there, they led him to where he was supposed to go. That's huge. If they didn't hear him, they wouldn't have led him. It's important sometimes. They might not have seen the same thing you've seen, but if you're around people, sometimes they'll lead you to where you need to go, especially when you're blind. So they led him to Damascus, and he remained there blind for three days and did not eat or drink. That's a fast we haven't tried. Blind yourself and sit there for three days, three nights, and don't eat or drink. 
new corporate fest. No, just that's what you. Man, I would hit somebody on a car. <laughs> Be hard to get to work if I was blind, Pastor. <laughs> yes, it would. Count on your friends. That's what that's what Saul had to do. But that's what this was. He he was fasting. He didn't eat or drink. He was so. I believe this because he he made a choice. I I, I don't know what he was thinking those three days. But could you imagine being in that position? Did he not eat or drink because he wasn't hungry or did he not eat or drink because he was so absorbed, so saturated with the voice of the Lord that he didn't want to do anything else but sit there? Think about that. That's serious stuff. Like this guy didn't eat. He didn't drink. He couldn't see. But that whole time, what's going on? Is he getting supernatural downloads about everything that's going to happen and everything he's going to do? Man, I wish I knew that. That's crazy, the, the, the stuff that, that he went through. He was just talking to him. Just like a, putting your, your, your headsets on and just listening. Amen. And God's just speaking to you for three full days. Man. So he's in Damascus. He's now, he's been blinded. So that, that's where that ends. But in verse 10... This kind of plays it back a little bit. And it says, now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have been... I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. So for three days and three nights, Saul is praying and speaking to the Lord, not supernatural downloads, talking to him, and the Lord is relaying that to a believer. What if you're that believer for somebody? Are you saying okay? Are you obeying? Are you walking that out? What if he's calling you saying, hey, man, this person's been praying and you're the answer. I need you to go tap on that window and talk to him. I need you to run into him at Walmart and say something to him. I put him there. What if he's using you for that? That's why we got to be in tune with this. That's why we have to be walking in the right way with this. In tune, listening to his voice. So he says this to Ananias. He says, but Lord, in verse 13, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. And he is authorized by the leading priest to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. Right there, he still can't get over it. This is somebody hearing from the Lord, direct download from the Lord. And he's still hesitant about going to this guy because he doesn't believe he could be changed. And in your walk, your faith walk, when God wrecks you and changes your life, there's a lot of people that aren't going to believe. There's a lot of people that just do not believe that that can happen. And you can't fold underneath that. You got to believe in the Lord and trust in the Lord and believe what he said to you the entire way. You can't listen to the little voices. Because whether you do something right or wrong or whether you believe it or you don't, those voices are always going to be there. It doesn't matter. They're just little whispers you're not supposed to listen to. But that's the enemy coming in trying to shut you down before God can get you started. Okay, so you need, you, need to, you need to be ready. You need to be ready and engaged with the Lord. I think that's also why he was sitting there for three days and three nights. 
So he got so filled up, so saturated, nothing was going to penetrate his heart other than the, the voice of the Lord. Hmm. Verse 15 says, But the Lord said, Go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to, and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Afterwards, he ate some food and regained his strength. So here you are listening, and this guy shows up and says, The one that spoke to you on the road. I don't know. If I had an encounter with God, <laughs> if I had an encounter with Jesus, and someone came in and said, Hey, by the way, that encounter you just had, like God told me to come do something for you. Well, okay, you win. <laughs> Like, whatever you want to do, let's go. So my, at that point, my faith is bubbling over. Because I'm like, how did you even know? Like, like how is that possible? Uh, but here's somebody obeying. So Ananias is obeying. He heard the Lord and said, okay, you told me to do this. He has to have faith enough to walk up to him and say, okay, I'm going to pray over you. <laughs> and all this is going to happen. So hang on. Some things don't look like they're supposed to. Some things will be uncomfortable. Some things you're not going to understand. But it doesn't mean you have to sit there and try to process it and put it in your own mind and go, that just doesn't make sense in the natural. Because we don't operate in the natural. We operate in the supernatural. You just got to walk in there believing your faith is what's going to do it. When you start doubting what he can do through you, that's when things don't happen. Just believe wholeheartedly that he can operate through you. You have the same, you're an ambassador. You have the same authority that Jesus has. You just got to believe it. You just got to believe it. So it says, Saul stayed with the believers or brothers in Damascus for a few days. And immediately he began preaching about Jesus in the synagogue saying, he is indeed the son of God. So it says there that he stayed there a few days and then started preaching. Look, that's not like this. He's preaching in the synagogues, but he's coming in. He actually has authority, so people are going to listen to him. But they're also a little hesitant because <laughs> they're like, we know who you are. But they, this guy knew the word. He was smart. He was very smart. Okay, to be an ambassador, you're going to have to be smart. Ambassadors to the U.S., when they go overseas, they're making decisions and making calls for our government. They are smart enough to understand, right? They know what the rules are. They know what can happen. They know everything. We should be the same way. There's going to be things you don't know, but that's where you operate in faith. But there's going to be the basics that you need to know so that you know how to operate. See, the Bible's not about a bunch of rules you have to follow. It's about instructions on how to live your life. And if you follow those, if you know that, if you follow those instructions, man, it's there to help you. It's there to progress you. It's there to give you wisdom and knowledge to do the right things when you need to do them. So I guess the best way to talk about this is When you get radically changed, 
Jesus will wreck all the walls that you built around you. He will. They'll all come tumbling down. And then you have to start building up new walls. And they're not walls to keep about, but they're walls to protect your heart. They're walls to protect your mind. They're walls to, to keep in the word of God and keep out what, what the world's trying to tell you. Okay, so, so this is where Saul was with these believers. He was with these brothers, and he stayed there for a few days because they were pouring into him. You can't do it on your own. You've got to get around people that will pour into you, that will strengthen you, that will help you fortify what God put inside of you. Because if not, man, you're going to hand that thing over really quick. You can't do it on your own. You know, God starts moving in your heart. Get around people that can help you with that. Get around people that can, can help build up that and, and, and keep it safe. Hmm. And through that, he was getting stronger. And he's like, oh, this is right. This is good. This is Jesus. I see it. And they're pouring, the brothers are pouring into him. Some of these people, the disciples he's around and stuff like that, man, they're, they're filled up with this. So they're like, who is this guy? <laughs> like, but they're going to pour into him. They're going to love on him. This, this is why when I start talking about small groups and stuff, I'm not just trying to get people to hang out just to have fun together. Get around people that, that, that are filled with faith. Get around people that, that are helping you walk out life. Get around people that you can turn to when you're just having a bad day and you're not doing it on your own anymore because you just they're on your speed dial. Oh, speed dial. Or they're on your fab five. Or That's right. They're on your phone. Your favorites. There you go, Kev. Am I good? Yeah. Kev's on my favorites. That's right. He's always calling me. I figured I'd put him there soon. <laughs> All right. So, so yeah, the people around you are the ones that, that are going to pour into you. So who are you allowing to pour into you? I'm not saying we're not supposed to take the light to the darkness. What I'm saying is, is that when you're around people, what they have is going to try to get on you. So surround yourself with the right people so the stuff that they have, what they're dripping with is now landing on you and it's filling you up. That's important. That's so important. We get around the right people. And then guess what? Eventually, you'll have the ability, eventually, to go back into places where those people are and now you're so saturated, nothing can touch you. But that doesn't happen immediately. Look, when I got radically changed and quit drinking... I didn't immediately go to the bar the next day and go, I'm so powerful. No. I put barriers up in my life. I built a fortress around me that said, I'm not going to allow any of that stuff to come near me right now because I'm still trying to figure this out. I didn't have a temptation, but I wasn't going to put myself in a position to have a temptation. See, we've got to put up guardrails, y'all. You know what you struggle with. You know what you've dealt with in your life. So what are you allowing inside Inside the, the, the fortress you built, inside the wall you're building. Man, sometimes we just automatically think that, that we should be good. No, that's what the enemy wants you to think. Man. Oh, okay, let me find out where I was. Where did we leave off? Verse 21. So all who heard him were amazed. Isn't this the same man who caused such devastation among Jesus' followers in Jerusalem? They asked. 
And didn't he come here to arrest them and take them in chains to, to the leading priests? So Saul's preaching became more and more powerful and the Jews in Damascus couldn't refute his proofs that Jesus was indeed the Messiah. After a while, some of the Jews plotted together to kill him. So we'll stop there because once again, you see the doubt. Once again, <laughs> you see him in a position where they're like, isn't this the guy though? He sounds so good, but isn't this that guy? Like, really? But the whole time, Saul's what? He's getting saturated with the right people. The right people are around him. Believers are around him. They're helping him. They're pouring into him. But he's still fighting that little voice that says, you're not good enough. It's not going to be you. Like, you're going to go back to doing the same thing. I believe that happens to us. That's why it's so important we get around the right people. So they plotted to kill him, and they were watching for him day and night at the city gate so they could murder him. But Saul was told about their plot. He was told by somebody, keep those people close. Your friends, they will hear. So during the night, some of the other believers lowered him in a large basket through an opening in the city wall. So once again, the people he was hanging around with, they had his back. They understood. I'm telling you, this is that you don't do life alone thing. Get around people that love you. Get around people that, that, that can support you and provide for you and help you. Man, they're going to they're gonna, they're gonna get you out of these tough places. Because guess what? These tough places, as a new believer, they're going to come. These tough places, as a, as a regular, you know, somebody who's been doing this for a while, they're going to come. There's always going to be somebody out there. Look. The enemy is always prowling around. He's always looking for an opportunity. He's always looking for a crack to get into. He's always looking for a foothold. That does not go away. And some of you are like, really? <laughs> He's always searching. How far you open the door is up to you. He's always knocking on the door. You have a decision to make every time. What's inside of you is what's going to keep the door shut. It's what you put in you that's going to keep the door shut. The people you surround yourself with, the word you're reading, the worship, what you put inside of you is going to keep the door shut. He's going to keep knocking. I'm telling you, and I know you hate to hear that, but he keeps knocking. But the fight's not as bad when you're filled up with the right stuff becomes easier to resist, easier to resist, easier to resist. All right, let's see if I can figure this out. So we're in verse 26. So they drop him down the wall and he escapes. So when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. So now he's in a whole nother city. He left, went to another place, and now everybody's afraid of him again. They did not believe he had truly become a believer. <laughs> Once again, I'm telling you, this is a constant thing. I don't know about you, but when I went home, I shared this last time for my grandmother's funeral, and I'm in a place where I was a train wreck. I walked in, and they're telling my wife, like, as I'm doing the funeral, they're like, I just can't believe he's a pastor. <laughs> So it was hard for me to speak to those people. But God did put a couple people in our path while we were there to speak to and pray for. But a lot of them were like, eh, I don't 
don't know. <laughs> we, we knew you. But that's how it is sometimes. You're going to walk around places and the people that knew you, they're going to have a hard time believing. And they can say whatever they want to say. You can't let it in. You understand? You shut that door. Instead of blinding our eyes, let's blind our ears. We don't need to listen to that voice. It's just the enemy. See, because what they lacked, what they lacked, they, they had a knowledge of him. They had a knowledge of who he was, but they didn't see the fruit in his life. That's the difference. Where he came from, they saw the fruit and it scared them. These guys, they didn't see the fruit. He just showed up and they're like, we know you. And all his friends and everybody's like, you don't understand, man. This guy's been preaching. He's been doing this and he's loving on people and he's a true ambassador. He's doing all these things. But these guys are like, we haven't seen any of that. That's why fruit's so important in your life. If you're truly a Christian, there should be fruit saying you're a Christian. If you're truly a Christian, <laughs> being an ambassador shouldn't be that hard. It's not going to come immediately. But it's a process. But the thing is, if you're truly a Christian, that's how it's going to be. You're going to see fruit in your life. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. That fruit will grow. Now, just like any other fruit, it just doesn't pop up overnight. Right? You don't plant a seed and tomorrow you have a tree. Well, money trees, that happens. That's what my kids told me. You know, plant the money tree seed and it's there tomorrow so they can pick as much as they want. But that's not how it works, y'all. So you have, you have to choose to get up. You have to choose to pull yourself up off the ground. You have to make a decision to seek knowledge. You have to make a decision to read the Bible. You have to make a decision to pray. You have to make a decision to love. You have to make a decision to communicate properly. Those are things that's going to grow fruit in your life. But if you don't do those things, you're going to be the same old person sitting in church every single weekend going, but nothing's changing. You're not doing anything. Right. Salvation's for free. Right. You don't have to earn that. But you want fruit in your life? You need to cultivate that. Right. You need to get busy doing what you need to do. All right, before I get on a tangent. I wrote this down. Let me just read it because I'll say it wrong. I don't know why it came out of my mouth the way I wrote it, but I'm going to read it. It says, your belief in who you are and who God says you are has to mean more to you than what others say about you. That's big. When I typed that out, I figured I couldn't say that again, so I had to read it. But that's so true. Don't listen to other people. So verse 27. So then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus and how the Lord had spoken to Saul. He also told them that Saul had preached boldly in the name of Jesus in Damascus. That's a little different now. Now it's Barnabas. <laughs> now it's somebody they're believing. Why? Because they have a relationship. They've been doing this and they starting to trust they're starting to trust people that have fruit in their life. And that's what opens the door for Paul or Saul still at this time. So Saul stayed with the apostles and went all around Jerusalem with them, preaching boldly in the name of the Lord. He debated with some Greek-speaking Jews, but they tried to murder him. 
when, when the believers heard about this, they took him down to Caesarea and sent him away to Tarsus, his hometown. So same stuff. But now he's with the apostles. Now he's with these people that, um, that are pouring into him. And now he's hanging out with the right people that everything he does is geared around Jesus. That's the difference between a brand new believer and somebody who has saturated themselves and surrounded themselves with people that are already mature believers. That's huge. If, if you're a young Christian, get around people that have been doing this for a little while. Let them pour into your life. And you can't be scared of that. They're just good people. You know, I used to think like, well, they're going to think that I don't know anything. Good. You know, it's hard for me to go around some pastors. I'm like, I don't know nothing. I'm like, pour into me, guys. Come on, tell, give me something. Give me something I don't know. And that should be our attitude in this. When you're walking this thing out, when you're a young Christian, you should be walking around going, what am I doing right? What am I doing wrong? How can I get better? Continuous improvement. Man, evaluate me. Am I doing okay? I mean, it's okay to ask those questions. And a true mature Christian is just going to love on you. And they're going to say, thank you for asking. Let me help you. Let me show you what worked for me. Let me read the, this scripture to you. Let me guide you on how to read the Bible. Let me, let, let me help you do these things. That's what the people around you do. You just can't figure that out on your own all the time. Hmm. So they sent him to his hometown, which is nowhere anybody wants to go. It says, the church then had peace throughout Judea, Galilee, and Samaria. And it became stronger as the believers lived in the fear of the Lord and with the encouragement of the Holy Spirit, it all grew in numbers. That's what happens when someone gets radically changed to where he is. So as ambassadors, as Christians, as I walk this out and I saw what happened to him, the first step is to get radically changed. Like You're like, you have an encounter is what happens. You have an encounter. Then after that, man, you, you need to get knowledge you need to get understanding you need to surround yourself with people that love you that's discipleship don't go someplace where they go hey we got a discipleship program we would love for you to read this book this book this book this book and that's going to get you where you need to go no it's not guess what when you hear somebody's testimony you know why Jules and I do most of the marriage counseling because people hear our testimony are you going to go to somebody that struggled in marriage and their, their marriage is great, or are you going to go to somebody that's never had a struggle ever? Why don't you go to the people that actually learned from something, the people that were, their marriage was touched by God? Same thing happens if you struggle with alcohol, if you struggle with drugs, why wouldn't you look for a believer that their testimony says they've been through that? Wouldn't that make sense to go talk to the people that made it through it? I mean, that's so powerful. Books don't answer all the questions. And as ambassadors, we should have fruit in our life. You should be carrying all those things with you. And that's just a sign of who you are. Sometimes I don't even have to ask if somebody's a Christian. Sometimes I can see the fruit in their life, and sometimes I can't. <laughs> so that helps me decide on who I really need to, to, to get around. But yes, ambassadors have to be smart. So how do you get smart in the word? You read it. You read it. That's so important. And that's what I'm going to share with you to finish things up today. Because this is so important. We have to grow as believers. We have to get off the milk and get into the solid food. Okay, you want to get off the milk? Go make a sandwich. 
Go out there and grill a steak. No one's going to do that for you. You have to do that yourself. Okay, one of my biggest things I went to when I was a new believer was just watching sermons. I was like, I got to, you know, like I said, I didn't know everything. Obviously, I listened to Randy Travis to get the gospel. (laughs) But it was what it was. I like country music. He's the only one to mention church. Go with it. But here's the thing. When I knew I had to hear the word, I didn't like to read the Bible. I didn't want to read the Bible, but I wanted to hear somebody read the Bible. (laughs) And I wanted to, to hear a sermon. So I would just spend most of my time listening to all those things and that that was edifying that was filling me up that's not the answer that's not how i got to where i am that's just how i got through what i was going through but now that i know how i got where i am i got to tell you how i got where i am which is by reading the bible so it's to read the bible and do what it says and that's hard for people to hear they're like hey you got to read it yeah read or listen to it (laughs) if you don't like to read listen to it and do what it says you have to read your Bible. Spend time with him. Get a rhema word from him when you read. And, and I know the Bible's not interesting to some people. You know, it's a big story. Think of it that way. It's a bunch of little stories inside a big story of who he is. Okay, but I had to learn that. I had to learn that, that when you read the Bible, you got to go out and you got to read the context of what you're reading. You got to understand who's writing what you wrote. You have to understand the time frame in which it's been written. You have to understand who they're speaking to. You have to understand all that stuff so that when you're reading the Bible, now you're like, oh my gosh, that makes so much sense now. But when you just read it, you're like, this is just, I don't know. Like, why am I reading this stuff? So there's a way to read the Bible, and we'll get into that. We actually have books. Um, called Know Your Bible. They're out of Connection Point, little books. It gives you a quick, you can do it on your phone. You can Google it, like, you know, who wrote the book, this book in the Bible or whatever. If you, if you want to do it that way, fine. I'm a paperback guy. So we have books out there if you want it. Know Your Bible it has every, every book in the Bible, and it'll tell you who wrote it. It'll tell you the time frame, who they were speaking to. So that's what I started to do when I started reading my Bible. I said, I need to do that. And I'd open it up and read that first. Then I'd start reading, and I was like, oh, man. This makes so much more sense. So that's how you start reading your Bible. But you need to be consistently filled up with the Word. When you're filled up with the Word, nothing else can come in. When you're void of the Word, anything can come in. But the more you're filled up with the Word, it stops everything else from coming in and and destroying what God's trying to build. I'm telling you, most people I deal with that have sin issues in their life, they're not reading the Bible at all. And they're like, I don't understand. I've been coming to church for six months and I'm still dealing with this. Well, have you read the Bible? Right. Or at least started it? Like, do you get a Bible verse every day? Do you, have you started a Bible reading plan? Has you, have you talked to anybody about what to do? And they're like, no, 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 no. Well, that's why you're still dealing with it. Because that radical change is great for a moment. But if you don't have continuous improvement in your life, that fades away. And people will start saying things that eat away at the foundation you're trying to build. And they're like mice. They eat through anything. Got a plastic tub in a storage unit that was eaten through with with all our hammocks in them. I was like, how do you eat through a plastic tub? But that's what people will do to you. Their word word will eat right through your foundation if you let them. So... So here's the, I want to give you a fact, but I want to read something that Brother Bo gave me. We were talking about this in Mexico. It's an article that was written, and I want to actually read you the whole article because it's kind of important. But most people who claim to be, um, for most people, this is the fact. So most people who claim to follow Christ do not read or listen to the Bible on most days of the week. That's a fact. On most days of the week. 
Some people that claim to be a Christian, the only time they hear the Bible is when the pastor says, open up your Bibles to this page. And they claim to be a Christian. That's bad. Because as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. So what are you putting in your heart? What's in there? So why is the Bible so good? Real quick, Psalms 119, 105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. You want answers? His word will give you answers. It will guide you. It will steer you in the right direction. 2 Timothy 3.16. Pretty much any scripture in the Bible that has 3.16 on it, just read it. <laughs> it's usually pretty good. It says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. I'm telling you, that's so important that we understand how much that is. Look, when you start struggling in your life, take a look at where you are in your Bible. Marriage starts struggling, where you are in your Bible. Where's your spouse at in the Bible? Any relationship, where are you at in your Bible? Where, where are they at in your Bible? I'm, it ties to lots of things. There's so many things that tie right back into Scripture and reading the Word. All right. So I want to read this because I want to wrap up. It says, um, these are nine tangible benefits of Bible reading for your church. It's by Jeff Martin. But this is actually, he wrote this article, but... He incorporates an article that was written, written in a research that was done by the Center of Bible Engagement. Compiled, uh, the Center of Bible Engagement, they compiled extensive research findings. And I'm not going to read all the names of the authors. It's copywritten, whatever. I'm using it. All right. I'm going to read the article. Uh, I'm just going to read through it, so no stopping and explaining. It says, in the study, they polled 40,000 people ages 8 to 80. They wanted to see how people were engaging in Scripture. As they compiled the results, they made a profound discovery they were not even looking for when they originally planned the survey. The study indicated that when people engaged in Scripture one time a week, which could include a pastor instructing, instructing them to open their Bibles, there was negligible effect on some key areas of their life. The same result was true if people engaged in Scripture two times a week, the result equaled little to no effect. Three times a week saw a small in, uh, indiction of life. There was a slight pulse, a faint heartbeat. Something moved in the, in the behavior of the person engaging in Scripture. The eye-opener happened when Bible engagement reached at least four times a week. A steady climb of impact would have been expected, but that was not the case. The level was basically stagnant over days one and two with a small bump on day three. But when day four was reached, the effects spiked in an astonishing way. The stunning finding included the following. This is reading at least four times a week. It says feeling lonely dropped 30%. Wow. Anger issues dropped 32%. Bitterness in relationships drops 40%. Alcoholism drops 57%. Sex outside of marriage drops 68%. Feeling spiritually stagnant dropped 60%. Viewing pornography dropped 61%. Sharing your faith jumped 228%. Discipling others jumps 231%. And memorizing scripture jumped 407%. Wow. That's huge. From, from three days where almost nothing, 
You start reading it four days and engaging in it four days, boom, it skyrockets. Man, you got to be saturated in this stuff. Let me keep reading. It says, the research literally leaps off the charts. The findings hammer home the truth that there are profound differences between people who engage the scripture at least four times a week and those who engage with the scripture less often. This data is extremely revealing. There's a full-blown effort to keep the followers of Christ from consistently reading the Bible on a daily basis. Integral to these findings is that people who engage the Bible one to three days a week indicated basically the same effect on their personal lives as those who did not engage at all. No life change. One to three days a week, no life change is somebody that doesn't read the Bible. The deceptive reality is that they can feel good about their activities without any sustainable results. They think they're being good Christians, but their lives are no different than people who aren't Christians at all. This can be devastating to a moment and to a movement. Limited activity is elevated to the same effect as consistent activity when it is actually the same as no activity. The reality is that with a lack of consistent Bible engagement defined as at least four times a week, Christians have less confidence in sharing their faith with others and are more vulnerable to falling prey to false teachings as well as lethargy and apathy in consistently living out their faith in their circle of influence. The study shows that the best spiritual-based predictor among 13 to 17-year-old teenagers was their engagement in Scripture. The other side of the coin is equally conclusive and encouraging. The more Christians read or listen to the scriptures at least four times a week, the more bold they will be in sharing their faith and growing in their faith. Their lives will begin to have a profound impact on those immediately around them. There will be, uh, also be fewer times of stagnation in their spiritual growth. They will become viral in their faith. This mounting evidence of the impact of scripture on only... Uh, on not only the individuals in a society, but on the actual underpinnings of an entire society can lead to the findings being discouraging when you find out that most people are not communicating to their center of gravity and are cut off, making them vulnerable to invasion. But the power of simplicity goes both ways. When a critical node is identified and reengaged, the entire system can be reinvigorated with astonishing and rapid effect. So there is an answer, there is a hope, just keep it simple and read your Bible. And then I'm not saying you have to sit down for five hours and read your Bible. That's not what I'm talking about. Get in the Word. Read it. I mean, it doesn't take that long. If you take away me just up here jibber-jabbering, I read 31 verses, and that could have been in less than two minutes. And that's me trying to figure out what the words actually say because I'm not a good reader. <laughs> so you might read through it pretty fast. But it's just read your Bible. You know, read your Bible, do what it says. <laughs> Some people used to ask me that, and that was my answer to, to everybody. Just read your Bible and do what it says. But yeah, read the commentary in it. Get, under, get understanding on what you're reading before you read it. Understand you are an ambassador. This is huge. An ambassador needs to be smart, so you need to understand the word. You need to be in the word. You need to be saturated with the word. Why? Not so you can go quote scripture to people, but so you know what to do in certain situations. You know how to react in certain situations. Okay, that's why we read the Bible. That's why we get into this. We have to take this more seriously. This is a bigger thing than we think. This is not just about us. 
It's not just about us. If we share our faith the way we're challenged to share our faith, we could build a kingdom that's absolutely amazing. His kingdom would grow spontaneously, very fast, <laughs> if we would actually just go out and do what he's asking us to do. And this isn't about a church. I don't care if they ever even see our church. That's not what this is about. This is about sharing him. So they can feel something different in their body. They can change the way they walk. They can change the way they talk. They become ambassadors. They become part of the kingdom. And pretty soon, guess what? Heaven is on earth. That's what we want. That's what we want. That's what we're going for. Man. If you don't share your faith, simply put, the most straightforward way to say it is that that person might be going to hell. God put them in front of you. You didn't say anything. What's their destination because you didn't say anything? I'm telling you, I carry a weight on this. You should be carrying a weight around as a Christian to say, you know what? Why is it so good that I've received it and I can just sit back and do nothing with it and just be happy that I know where I'm going? When the person you walk by in, in Walmart that's struggling, you're like, yep, they're just going to hell, but that's okay because I'm not. That's how I receive that in my own heart when I don't talk to somebody is that I just don't care enough. So where's the fruit? Let them make a decision. Everybody has to make a decision. Everybody has to climb up and get up themselves. But at least give them a chance to make a decision. Amen? All right, you guys get something out of this? Come on. Stand to your feet. <laughs> Play some music. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, this is good. I want to pray with you. Um, you know, this is just, this works. I don't know how else to say it. It works. I've been there and I've done it. I continue to do it. Once you get into your Bibles, just stay in it. It's actually very exciting. I was not one that wanted to read it. Okay, I fought and fought and fought and fought. And now I can't get out of it. Now what I do is I read a translation and I go buy another one. And I read that one and I go buy another one. And I read that one and I start highlighting everything in it because it sounds a little different. He gives me a different rhema word every time I read it. So my goal is to see how many of them things I can have. <laughs> Whether that helps me or not, it's how I read it. Find a way you can read the Bible. Find a way that you're comfortable with. Find a way that makes it interesting for you. But understand the power that comes with the Word. Understand what you're putting inside of you. And the fortress that creates for your heart, for your mind. So important. Aim for four days a week. That sounds a whole lot better. <laughs> if four days will do that much, I didn't see the statistics on seven. Pretty sure it's pretty good. I mean, we would do that with any lottery. <laughs> right? Somebody said, hey man, if you play lottery four times, chances are you're gonna win. You'd play it. You're like, look at the pastor out there talking about gambling. saying i'm not saying go out and gamble y'all but if you do and you win just remember <laughs> it was pretty
prayed over. No, that's what you do. I don't care. In fact, I'm not, I don't even talk about money. I let Kevin talk about money. Let me pray over you. I'm going to turn it over to Kevin <laughs> before I start rambling. Father, I love you. We thank you, Lord. And we love you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. Father, I thank you for every heart in this room, everybody watching online. Lord, I pray that they got pricked today. I, I pray, Lord, their hearts are hungry right now to know you more, to read about you more, to get in the Bible, Father. I pray that, that today I see fathers and husbands that are going to start bringing it to their family, Lord. That their, their intensity of reading the Bible is going to flow over to their family and their kids and their wives. So, Lord, I, I, just, I just pray right now you just overwhelm us. You saturate us with that right now, Lord. Saturate us with your love. Saturate us with the desire to know you and to know you more. Come on, touch every heart in this room, Father. For those that, that, man, you've not had that encounter yet. Maybe there's some that you can't even speak a testimony because you're like, my testimony is I'm sitting in church today and it's my first time. I've been there. I know that feeling of not wanting to be there. Can I just ask you to open your heart this morning and let him prick you, let him saturate you, let him love on your heart. Surrender your heart to him, give it to him. Believe, you are saved by faith. So if you believe in him, then you're saved by your faith. There's no prayer I can make you pray for that. That's gotta be something that comes out of your heart. But I will give you this. If you're gonna make that decision today, if today's the day when you say, I'm gonna start following Christ, I, I, I'm gonna accept them into my heart. You can do that right where you're at. And all I ask you to do is come talk to somebody afterwards. We're gonna have prayer partners up front. We'll have prayer partners up front today. So if you wanna come talk to somebody about that, please um, just come talk to somebody. Just come talk to somebody. You're not in this alone. We're here to help. We're here to walk you through it. But basically, you just have to accept them in your heart. You just need to cry out to them. You just need to ask them to come in and change your life. He'll do it. He's been calling your name for a long time. He's waiting for you to call it back. So, Father, you see those hearts, Father. Touch them. Love on them. Give them the courage to say that this morning. Give them the courage to walk that out this morning. So, Father, we love you. We thank you. We thank you for everything you're doing in this house and in us and through us, Lord. And we just surrender it all to you. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I love y'all. Let me turn it over to Kevin. I'll see you next week. Come on, y'all can do better than that. Yes. We just love you, Jesus. It's so awesome that Pastor Deja talked about this. I, uh, I used to tell my teenagers... You know, I, I agree with uh, Pastor DJ about the weight that you should feel when it comes to sharing your faith. I always used to tell my teenagers, you know, just imagine the book of Revelation. It says, you know, there's a line and they're all going to heaven. And there was a line and they're going to be judged. And I said, just imagine see your friends in that line. And then your, your friends are like, hey, man, why didn't you tell us anything? Like, you knew the whole time? Like, you knew the whole time and now I'm in this line because you just didn't say your ego get in the way, your pride get in the way, your shame get in the way, your embarrassment get out of the way. But now I'm in this line and all you had to say is hey, I know this person that died for you. His name is Jesus. Ten seconds. Save somebody's life. Somebody's life.
gonna just take this time to receive offering. I know most of you already give online, uh, but we're gonna go ahead and I want you guys to close your eyes again. We're gonna raise your right hand. This is just like a symbolism, you know, just like baptizing. It's like a symbolism, right? You're doing this in faith. And then we're doing the same thing in faith right now. See, we're, we're raising up our hearts right now. We're going to give him our hearts. And yes, we're going to give him our, our tithes, our money, and, and whatever we feel led to give as well. If this is your first time, don't feel like you have to give. If this is your first time, listen, don't feel pressured to give at all. Matter of fact, don't give. That's okay. That's okay. But if God just puts it on your heart, then please, of course, come with us to worship because this is worship. We're worshiping God with our tithes and our resources. But raise your right hand right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, God, we present to you our offering, our gifts. God, we present to you, Father, our hearts. God, we love you. We thank you that you're, you don't force us, God. <laughs> you're not forcing us, Father. You love us. And God, out of our own love for you, we give, God. Because we love you, we give, God. Because you gave to us first, we give, God. So God, would you just bless it this morning? Father, you see all the hands raised, God. You see all the hands of people in need, and they have their hands raised, God. Father, right now I ask in the name of Jesus for a supernatural, God, blessing over their lives. God, would you release resources, Father God? Would you release blessing, God? Would you release uh, not just financial blessing, but would you release uh, mental blessing, God, spiritual blessing, God, emotional blessing, God, in the name of Jesus right now, God, for all those, Father, for all those right now, God, as their hands are raised, Father, I pray for them and their children, God, and their households, God, and their whole family tree, God, right now in the name of Jesus, God. Would you release, Father, from heaven blessings, God, blessings that go beyond our generations, Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. God, we thank you that you're using us to give to the nations, to the city, to the state, to this church, but to the nations, God and to your kingdom. We thank you and we love you and we give gladly this morning. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody said, amen. Hey, listen, as, uh, as we go and uh, going to a time to give, you can give online. Uh, uh, brother, uh, I, can't, I can't even figure out your name right now. Uh, but the uh, ushers are by the doors. Alan, my Lord. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Alan. Um, you know, wait, you know what? Give me one second. I just, you know, I just feel like the Holy Spirit is right here. So this morning, as you, weigh, as you make your way out, if you are in need, come to the front and ask God to provide. The Word of God says that God is a good Father. Jesus said, if you being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more my father? How much more your father? Jesus didn't come to talk about his father. He came to tell you about your father. So this morning, if there's a need, there's going to be a prayer partners up here. And I'm encouraging you, don't leave without coming for prayer if you have something. All right? And as you're going away, uh, as you're leaving today, I just bless you and you're going. 
I declare that you'll be safe and sound. I declare that there'll be angels all around you guys. That as you're driving, there'll be angels just taking the wheel. I love you guys. I bless you in the name of Jesus. And I hope to see you next week. God bless you.